1: For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage
2: Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
0: So you don't shine the devil with your rock and roll load. No. Knows that country is gonna save your soul,
3: Welcome back to the Speakeasy. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, and it is the greatest radio network in the world. If you would like to hear a lot of shows, we have so many shows on this station, and they're all excellent. Um, Better than excellent, I would say. Um, I would, I would, and I would definitely encourage everyone to check out Harry's Radio for all the other great shows. Uh, you just heard a spot from Jimmy Carboni. Uh he's a great, dude. Uh, I just got to work with him last weekend at the uh, Jazz Age Festival on Governors Island, and anytime I get to hang out with that guy, it's just a, a straight up good time, awesome pleasure. And um, speaking of hanging out with good people that I really admire from. Our beautiful industry in the studio today. I have my good buddy Brad Kucher. He is at Leonard's Keep and Perla, and then in the studio as well. I've got my buddy Keno from uh, Lucky Luna in Greenpoint. Welcome to the studio, guys. Thank you. Terry. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a while. I mean, like, I haven't. You know, I I've been thinking about this lately um, a lot about uh, like restaurant bars. There was I didn't even there was an article in the New York Times that I was a part of and they talked about like some like great restaurant bars and I was featuring and I you know it's one of those things that uh, I don't really I don't know I just I consider like being a bartender more than just slinging drinks it's it's good to be like an all-around hospitable host you know and that that includes food that includes hanging that includes shuffleboard or bowling i mean it, it you, you do absolutely. a little bit at all right um brad i we met uh, a long a long while ago it seems Yeah, uh, it's been a while yeah you've been uh i've darkened your door quite a few times just just in the fact that uh you uh have been a bartender at roberta's here absolutely uh, and uh so you've probably seen me at my worst
2: <laughs> or or some would say your best
3: well I, you know, I try to be a professional. Absolutely. In in my drinking. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Um, so, you know, one of the things I love about having bartenders on the show, you know, I, I get all kinds of authors and, and distillers and brewers and people from all over the trade, but I just, one of my favorite things, not just about the show, but about being a bartender is meeting other bartenders. And uh, you guys are some of my favorites. So, like, what what got you guys into it? Why why are you why are you bartenders?
2: So, what got me into bartending was I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. I was basically playing music for uh, for a living. So, I was touring with um, these like different punk rock bands, playing drums, traveling the country. Um, and I was really into beer. My father is like a huge beer nerd. He's a home brewer. And so, every different city that I would go to, I would basically check out. Uh, you know, the local brewery, the local beer bars, stuff like that. So uh, eventually, you know, things, uh, I I played music for so long, and I wanted to sort of do something else. And I decided I wanted to live in New York City because I was coming to New York, um, you know, five, six times a year, you know, living on the East Coast, like that's the biggest city on the East Coast. So um, I was coming through New York, made a lot of relationships, and I decided I wanted to get into... Um, essentially, the beer business, so I moved up here and I applied for every job within the food industry that I could find um dishwasher um busser barback waiter bartender and uh, I remember my first day I went on Craigslist and I applied to um i think it was hundred and two jobs wow. and the next day, yeah, exactly like <laughs> uh, the next day I applied to like something like seventy five more you know. And I think I got like three or four callbacks, Damn. you know, zero experience. Of course, I did, uh, you know, I fudged on my resume a little bit. And uh, I got a call back from a bar on 23rd Street and 10th Avenue, Izakaya 10. Actually, a really great um, Izakaya. And I knew nothing about sake. I knew nothing about spirits. I knew nothing about wine. I knew nothing about Japanese food. The only thing I knew about was beer. So... The position was for a bartender, so essentially what I did was I, you know, I went on Wikipedia and I studied sake for two or three days straight, and um, just went through, you know, looked up every single resource that I could find about sake. So during my interview, which was, you know, maybe thirty minutes, I knew enough to fudge <laughs> what, what I knew about sake, which was basically nothing, but I knew the right words to use. So I was hired there and uh i bartended there for um about six months and it was it was pretty uh interesting experience because i'd never worked at a restaurant before so people would say like uh just you know do 30 roll-ups for me and i'd say okay cool like i'm from atlanta like how do you guys do your roll-ups <laughs> up here you know <laughs> I, what i mean yeah. how like, do, you do it up north? like i want to make sure i'm doing it the right like new york style um because of course I'd never done a roll up in my life. Uh, <laughs> I, I knew how to do a drum roll, but not a yeah. you know not a roll up. So I worked there, and uh, it was amazing. Um, you know, I had to basically learn how to make um, all these classic cocktails, as well as I learned about a lot about sake, shochu, um, and Japanese cuisine. And uh, right around that time, um, uh, a place that's now famous, Italy. Opened up, and uh, it was basically my dream job. I was going to work on the rooftop as the head bartender of uh, this basically brew pub and beer bar. And initially, it was supposed to be um, involved with four brewers, um, one of them being my basically my favorite brewery in the world, Russian River Brewing Company mm-hmm. um, out of Santa Rosa. So uh, it was going to be them. It was going to be Dogfish Head, um, Beer Del Borgo. And Baladine. So uh, long story short, at the last minute, um, uh, basically Russian River wasn't able to participate. What happened was um, I got hired and they said, you know, it's going to be like a couple months before the brewery opens. Um, but we're going to put you in this fine dining Italian steakhouse called Monzo. So no problem. I can last a couple months. It's going to be fine. Um two months ended up being about a year and I was working for this uh incredible chef by the name of Michael Toscano. So there um I was having a similar experience to my first job where we were doing fine dining procedures. So now I knew how to make uh you know an old fashioned a Manhattan, knew a little bit about service and knew a little bit about sake which did me no good at an Italian marketplace and steakhouse. <laughs>
3: really? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand.
2: <laughs> uh, so I worked with this chef, Michael Toscano, and I fell in love with his food. And I fell in love um, with his style of service. Um, so basically after about a year, they decided that, uh, sorry, the Italy brew pub on the rooftop opened and they moved me up there. And I was very excited to work up there, but also was going to miss working with uh, the chef and all my staff at Monzo. And so I worked up there for about two years until uh Michael opened his own restaurant, a place called Perla in the West Village. It's a uh, twenty four Amineta Lane by a restaurateur called Gabriel Stollman. He has um mm-hmm. six restaurants Joseph Leonard, Jeffrey's Grocery, Montmartre, Bar Sardine, um Perla, obviously, and a place called Fedora. Great bar as well. Um so I moved over there and the biggest change from moving there, his cuisine was similar to what he was doing at Monzo, but that's where I really learned about service. Um, the whole concept about Perla is to throw a party. And my buddy Ken can talk about that as well. We worked there for over a year together. But yeah. the whole thing is when you go to a party, um, you know, the food should be good. Maybe have like a nice bottle of rosé or something like that. but Keg stands. Keg stands are <laughs> mandatory. But really, a good party is about conversations, friendship, a good vibe. You know, the music's just right. You know, it's nice if someone makes a good like bean dip. But, you know, that's not going to be the star of the show, yeah. right? So the whole concept uh, that I learned at Perla was just hospitality.
3: Just being a, being an awesome host and like making sure that everyone's having an awesome time. Absolutely, yeah.
2: Brad's
1: and, great. He's also an entertainer at the bar, so it's a he's a fun guy just to go see. It's like, where do I want to go tonight? Where where can I go where I know I'm going to have fun? Yeah. So you go and see Brad, or you know your neighborhood bar, and you know people's schedules.
3: Yeah, it well, You know what? Yeah, nights nice to what, go to places. It's, oh, it's uh, Tuesday night. I should go see. So it's exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's what it's kind of become. So you guys started together, or you guys met at Perla. You guys met at Perla. And you came, Ken, you came from uh, the West Coast. Yeah. So I
1: I got started in uh, the Bay Area in San Francisco. And um, I actually first got hired as a server at a more corporate restaurant and sort of talked my way into being a lunch server. And then uh, moved to Nights, uh, got promoted to, like, supervisor and management. And through all that, I was always looking at the bar like, why is it they look like they are having so much more fun than we are? Because we yeah. are. We <laughs> are, yeah. So eventually I talked um, the GM and those guys to train me to bartend. And they were like, well, why do you want to bartend? And I was like, because it looks more fun. It's another skill I can acquire. And they're like, well, we kind of like your, the path that you're on. And I was like, well, I want to bartend. So make me or teach me to bartend or else I'm going to find another place that will.
3: Yeah. So the next week I was bartending. Nice. Yeah, it's one thing to be like i you know you know as a person who manages teams uh for bars and restaurants you know it's it's one thing to like recognize that someone's a really really amazing barback or a really amazing like waiter or back waiter or host yeah but dude if you wanna if you wanna change positions man that's that's up to you that's not to anyone else yeah exactly you know so you gotta you gotta do what you do and that's that's good that you made that call man um it i mean Granted, it's it's really really difficult when you have like a good bar back yeah. to to like have to refill that position. But uh, it's that's it's your call. And the, at the end of the day, it's your call. You know, the barbacks make you look like king. Yeah, a bartender, exactly. and that that makes you look like you're having more fun, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> they, they allow us to have fun and, and let people have a good time, but they're doing all the all the work behind the scenes. You know?
3: Yeah, I mean. I can't remember the last time I I cut my finger from, like, prepping garnishes. No, that's not true. It was yesterday. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that there's a part of, like, well, what we were talking about before, too, is, like, the uh, being in, like, the restaurant environment, you know. Well, first of all, I want to go back to something you were saying before about uh, learning about, like, sake, like, online and stuff it's just amazing that like we have that information and that that's available to even be able to like fudge your resume and kind of fake it through an interview and get in the front door, you know, it's, it's Absolutely. pretty amazing. We're, we're living in a really amazing time as far as the, the amount of information that we have out there. And there's so many resources. I mean, I feel like I feel blessed to like do this radio show and to talk to you guys like you and like all the, the past guests, you know, and just learn from everyone. I, I feel like I'm, you know, and, and a lot of that information comes after hours. Like you know, like like with this show, uh, talking with bartenders. And like I was saying before the show, um, that a lot of the stuff that we learn isn't necessarily during service. It's like after hours when we're talking shop, and that's basically the inspiration of the show, and that's what we're doing right now. Absolutely. Um, what were some of the things that turned you on? What were some of the first moments, first uh, pieces of information that you? gathered as a bartender that kind of like kind of made you feel like you had clicked into a different level.
2: Uh one of one of the things that that made me click was just uh, honestly just the ability to turn someone's day around. Like it's such a special gift to be able to if someone has a rough day and they you know they go to the bar and I I supply them with Great food from our kitchen, um, either a great glass of wine or a cocktail, and also just show them a good time. And, and if they want to talk, listen to them. If they don't, um, let them read their book. You know, that's that's the type of thing. It's, you know, working at the bar, you run across a lot of solo diners because it feels a lot better to sit at a bar if you're a solo diner than it does to sit at a table. Um, they just don't make one-tops.
0: And uh, and that, that empty chair table. is, you know,
2: uh, it's a little telling. So, you know, it's it was really fun being able to... Maybe even someone is reading their book and, you know, you say, um, How, How's your day going? Like, how's the book? Is it, is it any good? Should I check it out? And, you know, if they say, Yeah, it's fine. They say, okay, then, cool. Then you know to yeah, walk away. They, you know, <laughs> you let them read their book. That's what they're here to do. But many times... Um, You know, the books, it's not a prop, but it's, you know... It's a distraction. It's a distraction, and people want to be engaged. And uh, that's a beautiful thing that we're able to do, is to talk to people. Um, And I've met so many amazing people on the other side of the bar. As many people as I've met behind the bar, so many amazing people on the other side um, that I've been able to connect with outside of work, that have become regulars, and I see them... Uh, you know on a weekly or monthly basis um, so that was that was amazing um, the other really sort of a polar opposite is just learning the technical side um, as far as drinks go, um, you know my goal is to make them as delicious as possible you know sometimes you can make drinks that are cute or they're you know have a concept but at the end of the day, I want the drink to taste as good as possible, um, which is something that I basically have been studying through a, a few buddies of mine. One being John Pleasure, who we worked with at Perla. Um, he now works at Milk and Honey, Lanterns Keep, um, Featherweight, and Weather Up as well. But um, I, I really, I, I think there's a couple sides of the bartending world. One being sort of the more um, creative, artsy side, um, kitchen-driven, all this kind of stuff, which I, I like. And then the other one is, I think, a little bit more of a scientific side. So you're focusing on dilution. You're focusing on um, the coldness of the glass, um, precise jiggering, um, where you're doing an actual proper meniscus instead of... Just sort of, I mean, it's almost a curse bartending a little bit um, when I go out. Um,
3: you notice it, like you yeah, know it wrong. you
2: know, someone's touching my glass at the top of the oh, the lip, the, yeah. and they're jiggering a two ounce pour that's really probably like an an ounce and a half, if yeah, if I'm lucky.
3: Um, you know, man, I I, I realize that I I used to be a really like. Kind of picky about that kind of stuff. When I when I, I, I just had to stop looking. You got to stop. Yeah. I had to stop looking after a while because you know you know you, you know you, as a customer too you have to like well first of all as a customer like like you were saying before it's like I mean how many you, you never know who is on the other side of your bar as a bartender like you're saying you have got the person with a book that might be sitting there reading you know can I mean I'm sure like you've got people at Lucky Luna that are like come in and they're like. You never know who they are. And, you know, like if you don't engage them, you might not realize that, oh, my God, this is like, I mean, who cares? But a critic from, you know, like the New York Times or We did have
1: that, too, where uh, all of a sudden we got a phone call and it was, hey, uh, we're calling from the New York Times. We want to come by and take some pictures for an article. And we're like, excuse me? It's like we are out in Greenpoint. What are you doing out here? (laughs) Like there's no way we should be in the New York Times. So we had a really great article written by us. Uh, that we were really, really fortunate of having but yeah it's kind of the you know you have fun when you bartend and you the great thing about bartending that's different than serving is that you can sit and have that conversation with people and meet the people at your at your bar it's very different to just stay and hang out at a table
3: you mm-hmm. know
1: because eventually you have to leave you can't just stand there and yeah. talk to your table the B- whole time they're at your, your customers are at your <laughs> <laughs> table at yeah room. exactly but um Yeah, and even when I first started bartending, I didn't learn to jigger at all. It was free pours and and counting. And uh, I was like, what is this concept of jiggering? This is stupid. Just count it. Just count it until you realize (laughs) how off the counts can be.
3: I mean, it just depends. I mean, like, I guess, like, back when we started started bartending, it was like we weren't really concerned with making all these very delicately balanced cocktails. And nowadays, you know, it's like, all right. Let's make this shit right. (laughs) Do it right. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, guys. And then when we get back, we'll continue talking with Brad and Ken. Thank you. Just one more
1: The following program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, Perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsva.ham.com.
3: And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network, and in the studio today, I have my buddies Brad Gutcher and Ken Ho. And we were just talking before the break about uh, some of those uh, fun moments of uh, kind of like learning into the the industry about like customer service, and and uh, we, you know, like going back on that point, it's like, you know, you never. Like I said, you never know who's sitting on the other side of your bar, and that's really amazing. You know, I've had, I've gotten caught before by like maybe I didn't engage the customer like well enough. Maybe they they seem like they were like like you were saying, Brad, before the the break, the first half of the show uh, about that customer who's like sitting there with a book. And you know, I as a customer, like if I go in solo to a bar, I always have a book on me. But I still want to be engaged. You know, like I'm a bartender, so I like to go to bars. I like to sit at the bar and have lunch there. But also it's like I would really I'd rather be talking to the bartender. And I would rather as a bartender be talking to the customer than them sitting on their cell phone, like I don't I don't know what they're doing with their thumbs, but you know, it's like
2: (laughs) they're moving fast though.
3: Yeah, they're moving real fast (laughs) and they're giggling about something. It's like was it you just read a joke? Come on, tell me. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to play words with friends or yeah, Candy exactly. crunch, right? But you're in a bar. It's a social environment, you know? And you have to you have to cultivate that and you have to, you know, nourish that.
2: I know one piece of advice that I was given that uh, was really important to me is never lie to, to the guest because you don't know who they are. So, for instance, um, you know, you're pouring someone a glass of wine or you're making them a cocktail and... Maybe they ask you something that you don't know. You know, What's the great breakdown on this glass of wine? Just say, I don't know. Say, I don't know. I'll, I'll find out for you. I know it's like a Cab Sauvignon, Merlot blend, whatever. But I'll find that out for you. Because when you when you lie to someone, obviously you lose trust. And with my... And they initi- might
3: be the producer. They the might <laughs> be the producer. <laughs> they might be the
2: distributor. They, be, they could be anyone... And I know that I always get a bad taste in my mouth um, when I go to a beer bar. (laughs) Uh, When I go to a beer bar, which is, you know, where I started, basically. And I either hear someone saying something to a guest or to me that's not right, you know. Just say you don't know, and you'll you'll find out later. You know, that's like... Or, you know, what I like to do
3: is... I've been in that situation before, and it's it's my fault for like being behind a bar where I don't know like it's it's you know one of the things that's fascinating about being a bartender is like that you'll never know everything about everything about you know if there's yeah you'll never know it all, and that's that's great that there's yeah. a h- huge human element involved so much there. fun and but you know it, if it were if you were sitting at my bar and I uh, you get a glass of wine you're like so what's the the great breakdown in this I'd be like. Which yeah, I would never do either. Well. <laughs> you should be ordering cocktails. In my yeah. way. <laughs> but I'd be like, you know what, man? I'm pretty sure it's this, but let me just let's try it together. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yes. Because then, then it's a shared experience, and then also you get to have a, a little splash oh, of wine, <laughs> and you bring them into it too. Yeah, into it, the it's, experience. Yeah, it's like let's try it together, and like let's. What do you think's in it? Is this vien? What's, your, what's, what's going on in this? Could be, Could be. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out together Hold on, I'll grab the menu
1: Yeah, that's a great way to do it too uh, And you can even pour different tastes And compare the two or three whites you have by the glass Or whatever
3: Here's yeah, a so. Bordeaux blend There's a classic Bordeaux like cab and Merlot And then here's a California cab Let's try them side by side and see the difference You know, like things like that
1: you know, I realized that, and uh, speaking of California big wines, um, I didn't realize how much my palate had changed after coming to New York, because I worked at Italian restaurants, so we served 100% either Italian or French, and I went back and had a California cab, and I was like, holy crap, this tastes like fruit juice. Yeah. And it was so big and so jammy, and I didn't realize that when I lived in California.
3: Isn't that amazing, though, like, <clears throat> how your your palate changes regionally? Like... I mean, it's the whole win and Rome thing, I guess, but uh, you know, I I don't drink a lot of tequila, but when I'm in Mexico, man, yeah. <laughs> good god. Tequila. I tequila. mean, I don't remember drinking that much, but but it happened yeah. because I don't remember it. But, you know, like when you're in Texas, drink Lone Star. When you're in San Francisco, you're drinking, you know, uh Fernet, Fernet. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Certain things are are popular in places because they make sense usually. Yeah. You know, because of the climate or because it's the air, it's, it's fresh, local. When you're in Colorado. Culture.
3: The air is so different. You know, you wanna you wanna have strain of hands, you wanna have you know, flying dogs.
2: Yeah. Certainly. That's it always uh, amazes me a little bit when you know, like when I go to a dive bar, I get a a bottle of beer usually mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, maybe a whiskey or something like that. I go to a cocktail bar, obviously I get a cocktail. Mm-hmm. When I have you know, when I go to dinner, I typically drink wine. Um, but I think there is a little bit of mentality of like, you know, you wanna have everything. You know, you want to yeah. be able to have whatever you want wherever you go.
3: But yeah, and isn't that just like a weird like American thing too? It's like I
2: feel like it. Might we just be. want
3: a, we just want everything. <laughs> <apparently>. <laughs> have it your way, right? It's like I want to drink rum on the beach. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, that's total totally makes sense. I want to drink whiskey when I'm in in Kentucky. Yeah, but when you're like when you're in Colorado and you want a mai tai, that's great. That's great, man. But.
2: Really? Time yeah. place, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, like, I went to uh, Austin, Texas a few years back, and I remember going to this place, and I don't think he's even around anymore, but they, they had so many drinks that were, like, that had, like, pepper, like, like, different types of, like, peppers in them, like, serrano or, like, jalapeno, you know, and I was like, oh, well, that makes complete sense, because we're in Texas, you know, or in, like, New Mexico, you know, like, it makes complete sense, like having green chili beers in New Mexico. It's like, yeah, hell yeah, that makes sense. Isn't it weird that we uh, just? You got to think about that. We right? just have yeah. we have too too many options.
2: The Negroni is the one exception, though. The yeah. Negroni's <laughs> <is> always good <laughs> anywhere.
3: That's true. Jack likes a Negroni. He's uh... Jack's a good man. <laughs> Do you guys have? A... I can hear him giggle through the the <laughs> studio glass. <laughs> Do um, you guys have a preference? Are you
1: one to one, two to one?
3: Oh, my equal wife parts, is actually equal parts all day for me. yeah. I'm
1: equal parts. My wife equal is actually... equal parts for you. me too. Yes. yes <laughs> hey, you know what?
3: <laughs> we are all equal parts.
1: Yes, man. we are. <laughs> my wife is the except, exception. She likes the two to one. Um, Brad and I, yeah. I mean, when we go out or when we make them at home, home, we would do the uh, the. House, you mean at your bar? The the house proportions, <laughs> <laughs> where it's. Instead of one one one, it's either one and a half, one and a half, one and a half, or two two two. <laughs> oh, like that! So it's a
3: uh, going big house proportion Negroni. Wow, <laughs> I like that. That's like the opposite of what I normally do. Is like I do the half size, like a martini yeah. instead of a martini. <laughs> so it's uh, a shooter, or well, yeah, you you make it you pour it in the jigger. You just drink it out of the jigger. <laughs> it's a little martini glass. It's that's a martini. Yes, that's so awesome, on guys. Get, Get with, with the program. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a snackery. That's pretty awesome. You know, Ch- your snackery-deckery. Chill jiggers? Yeah. Chilled- <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't... Right. That's a... I like to chill everything. My muddler is on ice, bro. Yes, sir. <laughs> the wooden one, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's funny. Like, regional drinking. It's, uh, it's a concept that, like... When you're... like. You, you may never want to drink a piña colada, but if you're in Key West and you're like, yeah. "There's a time and a place," you're like, "Oh, dude, I cannot wait to drink a piña colada." <laughs> or like, if you're in New Orleans, you're like, "Oh man, I can't wait to go to that frozen daiquiri stand and get weird with like a forty-ounce styrofoam cup full of like frozen like white Russians with an extra shot for a dollar." You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best, by the way. We did um, <laughs> a couple trips down to Oaxaca. Oh, nice. And all we drank down there was mezcal and micheladas and Mexican okay. beer. Why you would know. you have anything else? Yeah, but so that's how we learned to love mezcal is getting it neat, served with the orange slice with chili salt on it. Mm-hmm. And so that's okay. how we do it at our place now. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's amazing. awesome. Yeah.
3: Never tasted better. I mean, what are, what are some of your other uh, favorite regional drinks? Well, there... I mean, what what do they drink in, in Georgia?
2: In yeah, Georgia? We're... Oof. <laughs> um, peach? Well, when I was there, you know, it was a peach. lot of... A lot of just cold beers, you know? It's hot down there. Um, cold beers, anything with a peach is good, for sure. Um, but... Are, are it, peaches really, like...
3: I'm just I'm speaking from ignorance here, but... I mean, I've been to... Uh, I've been to Atlanta a few times. I've been, to, I've been to Madison, Georgia for a motorcycle rally one time. That's strong. Yeah, that's, that's, that's deep, right? <laughs> Went through Athens once, but I, I didn't really notice the like overabundance of peaches. What's
2: well, the deal with that? Maybe on street signs. Every sign is like peach right. tree. Pe- you know, um, The deal with, with that is that it's not in Atlanta. The thing about Atlanta is that it's sort of the... Atlanta's kind of not Georgia. It's kind of not Georgia. It's <laughs> kind of like the Austin of Texas, you know? Yeah. Um, so essentially, if you live anywhere near Atlanta and you want to go to a bigger city, you're going to go there. So you have a lot of people um, from around the area, but also you have a lot of northerners there. There's, it's a little almost rare to find people that are born and raised from Atlanta. Um,
3: Interesting. So it's like almost like Miami, yeah. With New York.
2: Yeah, definitely. So they have a amazing beer scene right now. They have a great up and coming cocktail scene. Um the wine scene is super strong. Food's getting better and better every single day. Um so it's you know, it's a little mini metropolis.
3: Mini yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to I've been to like Church like youth group gatherings in Atlanta, and then I've also been to like strip clubs in Atlanta. Those are my this is my my <laughs> two ends of the spectrum. But I've never been to a cocktail bar. But it's been years, so maybe I got to check out Atlanta. There's,
2: there's a new amazing one called the Kimball House Indicator. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. I've read about. That. You just got top five uh, best new bars too. Nice, strong. Shout strong. out,
3: strong. <laughs> um, well, I want to get off the subject of church trips and strip clubs (laughs) same Um, block right they're on the same block they're on the same block actually they were both in the georgia world congress center uh (laughs) downtown next to the cnn building Mm -hmm. it was it was the same deal (laughs) and brad's like "Mm -hmm." um so well i guess we're i don't know what i don't know if i want to end on that note um Ken, what are some of your play, uh, favorite places around, besides your own place, Lucky Luna? Out here? Yeah. I mean, I... Since, since you guys are both, like, kind of fresh, essentially, to the city. Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, when I'm not working
1: there, the last place I want to be is there, because we're there so much. But um, I enjoy seeing a lot of my friends at the bars. Like, I try to go see Brad um, whenever I get a chance. We... I go to Featherweight to see John and uh, those guys. Uh, they do amazing cocktails, and it's one of those where it's not super crowded whenever i go in there and i know there's always a seat for me or uh just because it's a little harder to get to
3: yeah
1: you know um but lately beloved's been great too because it's right down the street from us so we go on go down there and see those guys and uh just do shots and beers and and keep it simple you know but there's just the so many places opening that it's so hard to keep up. Especially
3: in your neighborhood in Greenpoint, yeah, man, it's crazy over like there. Brad and I have
1: been over to Taurus to try their, you know, their twenty yeah. beers. Yeah, oh, that like, place is great. Can we all just get different beers and just keep switching? Yeah, you know, but it's uh, there's just so much out there.
3: It's yeah. a good way to do it too. I mean, like, I mean, go out with the like. It's good, you know, those moments like we were talking about before going out solo and like doing your thing. But it's good to go out with some friends and like be able to try each other's drinks and like you can you can taste the entire menu yeah in a always, few rounds I'm you know a
1: fan, i'm a big fan of that is everybody gets yeah. something different and let's trade yeah
2: you know uh family style yeah <laughs> family, family meal <laughs> exactly exactly what about you Brad? favorite bars i love to go to, to attaboy um i love any bar that's open till till four you know because we get out late and it's nice to be able to rely that they're, they're going to be open. You're not going to have last call right right when you get there. Um, a couple ones that, that Ken mentioned, Beloved is great. Um, for wine, I like to go to Cork Buzz and Ten Bells, mm-hmm. Terroir. Um, beer stuff, um, right down the street from Perla is um, the Blind Tiger, which is another 4 a.m. spot, which is always solid. Oh, I think we've seen
1: the sunset from there Or a uh, sunrise I, I, I think, Yeah, I was going to say yeah, uh, I've definitely seen the sunset <laughs> there
3: uh, I mean, like so, Yeah, I mean, attaboy Mother's Ruin Is Mother's Ruin couple? I was there last night frozen, <laughs> They had a frozen banana daiquiri In the machine And there's always money in the banana cocktail That's yes, sir. Crazy. <laughs> well, so where can we catch you guys? Give us some shout-outs.
2: I'm at Perla Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then I'm at Lanterns Keep Tuesdays and Fridays, and then I fill in at Grand Banks, uh, this boat docked in Tribeca. Dude, how do you... Do you sleep? I have more days off now than I used to. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, I'm at Lucky Luna Mm -hmm. uh, on
1: 167 Nassau in Greenpoint. We are... Or I'm there pretty much every day we're open. Um, the one day that we are closed is Monday, and that's to kind of give us a
3: little bit of peace and sanity. Yeah, So you're open today, is what you're saying.
1: We are open today, Mark. All right. Let's yes, go sir. right now. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Micheladas.
3: Totally serious. <laughs> well, that's it. We're at the end of the show, and uh, now we're going to go over to Lucky Luna. So thanks <laughs> so much, Brad and Ken, for coming on the show today. Thank, Thank you Danny. for having us. All right. We'll see you next week on The Speakeasy. That's Cheers.
2: Him. It's going to get you started